Welcome to the Juniper and Journey podcast with Keziah Ritter and Lindsay Heslap. We're so thrilled you're here. This is a podcast dedicated to celebrating the strength and stories of women, good, bad, ugly, and beautiful in their own words. We believe in the power of real conversations, honest confessions, and playful nostalgia. You'll get to hear all kinds of perspectives from all kinds of women about all kinds of things. We'll talk about life and motherhood and loss and faith. We'll reminisce about the good old days, first loves, and old flames. This is going to be fun. Things might get a little rowdy, but we can guarantee it will be meaningful. We hope each woman's story inspires you towards empathy, compassion, and healing. Okay, let's get started. Today we are here with our girl, Lauren, here as in, I wish you were here at the table, but I know it's over Zoom. It's the same. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, we're so glad that you're here and it's our honor to sit with you today, friend. I'm excited to be here virtually. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we can jump right in. So tell us what growing up was like, like, what do you remember about childhood and how do you store those memories? Like what, what do you think of when you think about growing up for you? I had a really fun childhood. My mom and dad were like middle school sweethearts. And so it felt like my parents were always in love. Um, I had an older, or I still have an older sister. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we didn't really get along when we were like kids. I mean, we would play together sometimes, but we weren't like necessarily friends until we got to high school. But like my early childhood, I think a lot about our family had a cottage. I grew up in Michigan and our family had a cottage that we would go to almost every weekend in the summer. And so a lot of my childhood is like being on the boat and swimming and playing in the woods. Um, And my parents also had a really good group of friends and they all had kids the same age. So there was like the big kids and the little kids and I was in the little kids group. (laughs) Um, I just think of riding around barefoot or like sledding in the winter with our neighbors. And I just had a fun childhood. There's, I have a lot of really good memories. What was your relationship like with your parents? kind of growing up and even in high school and stuff, what was that like? I always got along really well with my mom. Um, like even in high school, I was like a homebody and some Friday nights would like want to stay home and watch movies with my parents and hang out with them. She loved quality time and we would go shopping all the time. Um, and she would just be like going to the grocery store and she would want me to come along and we would just chit chat in the car. She like never listened to music in the car. And now I like naturally don't always listen to music in the car. Obviously there was times in puberty and childhood when I didn't clean my room where I would be like, I hate you and those (laughs) sorts of fights. But, um, overall we really got along well. When did things start to shift? So you kind of have, you talk about this really quintessential sweet childhood. And when did you start to notice things changing? 
my senior year of high school, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it was March, I think, of my senior year. And um, she had like a like a cold that felt like she couldn't shake. And so she went to the doctor and they did some tests. Um, and honestly, like, I don't know all the details. Like I was in high school and I like my world revolved around me and all of my like teen angst and friendships and whatever was going on in my world. And so like my parents sat me down and were like, so mom has cancer um and she's like gonna go through treatment and everything and that was about it like that was the explanation at least that I remember like not a lot changed when she for me when she was like going through treatment breast cancer at the time and even now um like people think of breast cancer and they're like oh yeah like people like October is breast cancer awareness month and everything turns pink like in all sporting arenas. And our high school had like a, um, our football team would wear pink and they would like decorate the hallways in pink. And so it was more like a spirit week versus like, Mm -hmm. like this cancer is deadly thing. Um, and I remember there was an adult, uh, it was like one of my friend's uncles I was like at her cottage and um he was like oh yeah like that really sucks but honestly she'll be okay because like the medical world has come such a long way like people don't die from breast cancer anymore and so I was like yeah great like I that's I didn't think about it um and so I was like that's it I'm going and I'm starting over (laughs) going to northern Michigan um (laughs) even though I did have this like really solid home life with like a good relationship with my parents and I had good friends in town, I still was like, I have to go start over. And so (laughs) I went and moved to Northern and I was there for a semester and I was so homesick and I Mm -hmm. was so lonely. I would like Friday night, the weekends would come and I would just dread them because there's like nothing when you don't have friends, like there's nothing to do on the weekends. And like originally my roommate didn't show up either. So some of those like automatic friendships that you are like waiting for when you get to college didn't happen. And so I was kind of like, oh gosh, this is hugely disappointing. And so Friday nights I would like go to the library until they closed and read poetry because I still had all of that teen angst. (laughs) And so I would just like go read sad poetry and like listen to um, like sad music and I was like, I'm in, I'm in art school now. Like this is so brooding. (laughs) And I would like go for walks by the lake and I got my nose pierced and dyed my hair purple. Like the underneath (laughs) was purple and then it turned pink and I was devastated because I hated pink. And so I would call my mom almost every day and she was like, you'll be okay. Like give it time. You'll make friends. And, um, like when I had gotten into high school, I stopped going to church really. I felt like people that go to church are supposed to be nice. And so then when I was in Marquette, I was like, I'll just give this church down the street a chance because I really need to like make a friend. This girl invited me to a Bible study that she was leading on Hebrews. And so um, that was kind of my first, like as an adult, my first experience of like really experiencing Jesus for myself. 
I felt like there was something missing in my life. And so I said yes to this Bible study. And meanwhile, I'm calling my parents all the time saying that I want to move home. And they're like, you can do this, stick it out. And then Christmas came around and I was like, I'm not like I'm coming back home. I'm quitting. And I had always viewed the kids that went away to college and then like came back. I always was super judgmental of them. And so I felt like I was such a failure. Christmas came and my dad came and got me and we drove home. And my mom, while I was gone in my first semester, she had finished her chemo treatment the summer after I graduated high school. And then when I moved away that fall, she went through radiation and surgery uh, or she did surgery and then radiation. And so she was like finishing up radiation when I moved back home, my grandma. So her mom lived like 20 minutes from us growing up and we had a really good relationship with her too. And, um, around that time, she felt like she had the flu and it wasn't going away. And so she went to the doctor and they did some tests and she found out she had ovarian cancer and immediately like we were spending a bunch of time at the hospital. For me, I had this weird feeling of feeling like I was a failure for coming back from school. But then I was like, this is exactly where I needed to be. I moved back home from college. My grandma's sick. We take care of her. Um, She passed away in January. And then I'm like with my mom, like seeing her grieve her mom. We're going through her house and having the state sale and everything like that. And then I do community college that, that spring. And then I move to the middle of nowhere, Michigan to work at the summer camp. Like it's exactly where I needed to be because I ended up like solidifying my relationship with Jesus and making a community that I really needed and didn't know that I was going to need. Um, I was also in this terrible relationship at the time. But it was like this guy in high school that sophomore year, he told me that he liked me. And I was like, I will never like you. I will never date you. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, your glasses are always dirty. I'm never going to date you. Oh, yes. (laughs) Valid. Valid. And then when I was at Northern, we started texting and like talking on the phone. And I was so lonely. I was like, I like him. And so we started dating. Um, And then when I moved back home to Brighton, he had just moved and was doing like, um, training for the Navy and he was in Chicago, but he would like come back and surprise me some weekends. And I thought that he was so amazing to like surprise me. Cause I never thought that I was ever going to find like a great guy. And so I was like, Oh, he like does this one nice thing. <laughs> so I'll stick with him. And so, but our relationship was terrible. And so I'm like working at this Christian summer camp and then like he would come up and visit and we like go to his cabin and like, get drunk and like it was terrible so i'm like living these two lives trying to like figure out jesus but deep down i would like get back to camp and i'm like i feel terrible and like that isn't what i want for myself and i'm realizing like this is not this is not the direction of my life and so i'm working at camp and my parents come up to visit one weekend and my sister was with them and I had just gotten back from like a weekend at his cabin. It was like my first real hangover. And we went to Ruby Tuesday <laughs> as a family. Salad <laughs> <Like>, bar. <laughs> yeah. Um, a good and, salad bar. 
<laughs> we go to Ruby Tuesday. I feel like I'm going to throw up. I don't really understand what a hangover is, but like clearly my family has to notice that I like look terrible and <laughs> <laughs> the shakes. <laughs> yeah. So we like sit down to eat and my parents are like, so mom had more tests done and like her cancer didn't go away. And so we're like trying to figure out what the next step is. And so I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. <laughs> like I'm hungover, but I was upset because I was like hungover. And that weekend, that boyfriend that I was dating told me that he got his placement and was being sent to Japan. And so I was like, my, the love of my life is moving and my mom has cancer and I like didn't move away to school and succeed. And like, everything just sucks. The guy moves away to Japan and we kind of lose touch because the time difference and like really this time in my life, like my mom is really sick but I am so consumed with my own life. I'm like this camp life, this guy, like me, 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 mom is sick on the side. I love her, but like, I'm not super worried about that. Did, did this news about your mom being sick again, did that scare you at any level or where did you put that information of like, okay, mom is sick again. Like, did you at this point start to think this is really bad? So they came and visited and then I like said goodbye to my boyfriend and we were like, this is going to be, we'll, we'll figure this out. Like we'll make it through this. And then I had like told my friend I was becoming really good friends with this girl named Mickey. And I told her like my family just came and told me that like my mom's cancer didn't go away. But then the next, and we were co-counselors that week. So we were in the same cabin and had the same group of, I think we had like 15 girls that week. And so like Sunday goes by, I'm like, fine. Like no tears. I didn't cry when they told me I didn't. I was just like, okay. Um, Sunday goes by, Monday goes by, Tuesday goes by. Wednesday, we would have like midday worship basically and like a midday talk at camp. And so we're there and I like just start to break down in tears. I'm sobbing. And so I go and I take like a two hour shower and I just sob. And like that is when it hits me when it's like, my mom might not like this cancer thing that we've been going through the last year and a half. Like this might like be how my mom dies. And then the end of camp comes, I like went back to Brighton, Michigan. My mom, I don't totally remember the timeline, but I moved back home and she was kind of in and out of the hospital still. And then like we decided it's time for hospice. And so my dad turned our dining room on the first level kind of into like a hospice room. He like added a wall. And so it was a little bit more private for her. Um, and so then we had like nurses in and out of the house. 
and we had family in and out of the house and people from church. And I think it was two weeks after camp when she passed away. Um, But I remember like in those two weeks, they were so special because we had so much family time together. I was just like reading good books and at home, like sitting on our deck, like talking to family and spending time with really, really good friends um, and spending time with my mom and hearing stories that she like wanted my sister and I to keep and hold on to. So it was like really special. um, Those like two weeks and then yeah. And then she passed away. Do you remember that day? I wake up, she, my sister came up to my bedroom and she was like, Lauren, it's time to come downstairs now. And mm-hmm. so I went downstairs and my grandma and grandpa were for sure there. I think one of our pastors might've been there. Um, I don't remember if there was many other people my dad was said goodbye to her and um we like let her know like it's okay to go now and we had like another bed we had like another twin size bed in the room that we would like hang out on and so i just remember like laying there looking out the window to our front door or front yard and everyone's like talking to her and like saying it's okay but i didn't have a lot of emotion Like I didn't cry. I was like really deeply sad, but it also felt like a relief. Like the two, the two weeks leading up were exhausting. They were good, but they're exhausting. Like watching someone in pain and, um, that you love so much and, um, having to take care of them and everything. So it was definitely like, it felt like a relief that morning when she passed away. And then I remember I was like sitting in our front hallway, like a little kid. And I had a box of photos that I was going through because I was like put on the task of making the video for the funeral, which like really goes in well with my life now, (laughs) like all the videography (laughs) stuff. But that was like my job was to do the video. And so I was looking at all these photos and it was like kind of fun. And then I remember they like the funeral home comes and takes her her out And then I don't really remember the rest of that day. And I have like spurts of memories. I had some deep, deep grief. And I think that like me not being able to remember some of those times is kind of a blessing. Um, We have her funeral um, and it was great. And I didn't cry (laughs) at the funeral. I don't remember crying for like the two weeks after she died. Um, And I thought that that was really like, I thought I was really weird. Later on, I found out um, that just the age that I was is pretty common. Um, So I was 19 and I was still kind of living at home. I didn't, I hadn't really launched yet. And so my life and my like day to day, it was still really close to like my mom waking me up in the morning and making me breakfast for school and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I learned like later on, there's a book called motherless daughters that I found, um, and was a pretty good resource for me. Just, it has a lot of stories and research too, from women of all ages who have lost their, their moms. And so 
I think in that book, it talks about different age groups. And so like I was in the younger, like the teen age group still versus my sister, she was able to comprehend a lot more or like, you know how they say your brain doesn't fully develop until you're 25. And you don't think that that's real until you turn 25 and you're like, things make sense. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so I think there was just some like comprehension stuff still happening for me. And so I really didn't cry, um, for the first two weeks. And my dad and sister and I decided that the day after the funeral, we needed to get out of town and do something new that we had never done before, um, as a family. And so we decided to go to Colorado and, um, my dad used a bunch of his like rewards points from work and we got to stay at the, um, four seasons and veil and like we we're living this like fancy nice life and we went zip line zip lining and hiking and did all the different Colorado things and then I got to visit my friend um, Mickey who I had met at camp I got to spend a night with her in Colorado and so at the time I had no desire to move to Colorado it was just like my friend lives there and I've never been there we're taking this trip to get our minds off of things. And so we take that trip. This is kind of the time when I, I was starting to have more like friendship struggles um, because a lot of my high school friends weren't Christian. And then I had this new view of life and like walking through death as a Christian. And we just, and then also it's awkward when someone dies, like even if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, if you're an adult or a kid, it's like people don't know what to say to people. Everyone says, I'm sorry. Everyone is like, oh, she's in a better place. Like there's all of these sayings that people have that really aren't helpful. And when you're like, I've been on both ends now, but when I was 19 in that position, I was just like tired of people like telling me that they were sorry. And I was having some friendship struggles. And um, my dad was like, you know what, like, there's this lady from church, she's a counselor, if you want to go talk to her, like, I think she would love to talk to you. And so that was kind of my first experience with counseling. Do you remember what your conversation, so this kind of newfound relationship with Jesus is also emerging as you're like experiencing this really intense grief. Do you remember what your conversations like with God around your mom dying were like? I for sure went through the like many stages of grief and you kind of, it's not linear. You like bounce all around. I was never really angry at God. I was confused. Why? Like why I had this amazing relationship with my mom and like, she had to be the one to die versus like, I had friends who like hated their moms or like, I knew people that had terrible. And I'm like, why didn't, like, why did my mom have to die? Like, why is this happening in my family? And so I had like questions for God, but then I was also not, I wasn't angry with him. And I don't, I don't remember a lot of my conversations. I remember like staying up late, like all night crying and praying, but I don't remember my prayers necessarily. It felt like this relationship with my mom that I leaned so heavily on for like comfort and encouragement and wisdom. Like I had to rely on God for that then. And it made sense to me where I was like, okay, God, like I have like, 
if I need those things, but now I have to rely on you, but I really just want my mom. It was, so it was like deep, deep sadness and not necessarily anger. That first kind of, I don't know, year, honestly, of like experiencing firsts without her there. Is there a time or even a specific kind of thing that you remember just going, man, that was where you just missed her even a little bit more? Like the springtime, I was at home in Brighton with my dad. Like we were both really struggling. Um, I went back that next summer and worked at camp again. And it was great. Like I... I got hired as an area director. And so I was in, like helping the counselors. I was like continuing these amazing relationships that I had built the previous summer. And, but then I was starting to have a lot of anxiety. Like I would have panic attacks. Um, I remember one weekend, like one Sunday morning, I went to church with some friends in town and like service started and like my hear everything started to ring in my ears and like my hands got all numb and I couldn't breathe. And I went outside and had a panic. I didn't know it was a panic attack, but, and I think a lot of, that happened a lot that summer where I was having panic attacks, but I didn't know what they were. Um, and so I thought I was just like having, I was just crying and having meltdowns because I missed my mom. Um, and then my friendship um, with Mickey was really good, but also it was like kind of starting to become codependent. And I would place a lot of like jealousy and like codependent. Like I was the one that was like, no, you have to like be my, you always have to be there for me. And so I put a lot of like stress and pressure on her. And so summer happened and then I moved to Grand Rapids and my dad had helped my sister and I find a place to live. And so we were living together, which was really like a super special time. We for sure fought a lot about like dishes and like dumb sister stuff, but we like, that's where we like, we needed each other so bad. Um, and we, we were learning about each other because we weren't really like, we were kind of friends. Um, but we didn't spend a lot of time together because she was at college while I was in high school. And then this was really like our first time where we we're like building a really good friendship and um, taking care of each other. My dad really wanted us to go to Grief Share, which is like an official, I think it's like an actual, that's the name of the organization. And they go to different churches and they host like a grief class. There's like some people that have gone through grief share before and they're kind of facilitating. And then there's like people that are just going through like traumas. It was, it was an interesting experience, but I think it was really good at the same time um, to sit in a room with people that are also sobbing their face off. And you're like, Oh, maybe I'm normal. Like I'm allowed to miss this person that much. It's kind of the first time I started making friendships with like people, not my age. And so I made friends with this lady named Grace and she was in her 80s. She was kind of a more of a facilitator of the group, but she had lost her husband a few years before. And we went to a car show together in Grand Rapids because she had like never purchased a car by herself before and she needed a new car. And so she wanted to go like 
talk to the car people about like the new Buick. And so, <laughs> so Grace and I would hang out and we went to the car show and we got burgers. Um, and it was just really good to like talk to someone who was older, who had also been through like loss in their life and was like, not saying I'm sorry and not saying like, she's in a better place. Like she was just treating me like a real person. Um, that time in Grand Rapids was fun. We also, my sister and I started fostering dogs through the Humane Society. And so we had um, like three dif different pit bulls at different times and they became super special to us too. Like I still, my sister and I still talk about those dogs. Um, I started, I did start a blog after my mom died and um, I would write, like now when I go back and read the blogs, some of them are a little bit embarrassing. And some of them are like, wow, I had really big feeling, like I had really big emotions that I was walking through. But I have some blogs on there that are about like, just what the dogs were teaching me. Mm -hmm. They were like teaching me about faith where I'm like, I am like trusting God the way that this dog is like trusting me that I'm going to like come home and feed it. And I'm trusting that like, God is gonna, like, he put me in this, he knew that this was going to happen in my life. Like he wasn't surprised by it. Something that really bothered me that people would say is um, like, everything happens for a reason. And I would get so mad at that because I'm like, oh, so my mom died because like she sinned or something, or like I did something bad or like, what are you trying to say by that? or like everything happens for a reason. I don't know. I just don't like that phrase. <laughs> and I don't think that it's super biblical, but I do think that um, like God will create a reason out of everything. Like, I don't think that God wanted my mom to die. I don't think that he wanted her to go through cancer and all of that pain. Like, I don't think that he is wanting that. I think that it breaks his heart, but I think that we live in a world where there is sin and there is bad things that happen. Um, and God isn't making those bad things happen. Um, but he will walk with us and create reasons out of those things um, that kind of lead you back to him in a way. That year after was full of really big emotions, a lot of tears, a lot of fights with my sister and my dad and friendships changed. I lost a lot of friendships. Um, some of it was my own, like my own fault. And then like I was living in Grand Rapids where the winter was just, the winter is so long and cold and dark. And so I was really sad a lot, but then there's these little pockets of like really beautiful things that happened. Do you have little moments either then or honestly, even now where you have a day or a moment or something where your mom feels close? Yeah. That first year, like every single day, I missed her all the time. Like everything I was doing, like everything reminded me of her and how she wasn't there. And people would say like, like time does heal. Mm -hmm. And that one, like people said that one a lot too. And it, it bothered me because I was like, but right now, like I don't have that time. And so I'm not like healed. 
but now that I look back like that is it is real like time does heal a lot um and so yeah I thought that I was never like I thought every single day for the rest of my life I was going to miss her and there was a piece of me too that was like I have to miss her every day of my life because like I can't get over this because that's not fair to her like that feels like I'm forgetting her or I'm like moving on and it didn't matter. And I've done a lot of work on that now. And I know that's not true, but, um, eventually I did get to a place where I wasn't missing her every day. And at first I'd like have little time spurts in my day or my week where I didn't think about her. And I felt kind of guilty. Um, and that is kind of within the like stages of grief too where I was kind of fitting into that and feeling guilty. Like, no, I have, like, I have to miss her now for sure. In my life, it's been, I think we just came up on eight years now. Like I have probably weeks when I don't think about her and I don't feel bad about that. Like, I think she would be happy that I am like still living life. Um, but I do have moments when I feel close to her it's more like in moments of like when I find myself like doing something that she would do or even especially being married now <laughs> I'm like oh I used to make fun of my mom for that and now I'm like <laughs> that's me <laughs> um but yeah like my mom really enjoyed shopping and she really enjoyed fashion and she was a really wonderful hostess and um like she was a really good cook she just always made home feel like you were allowed to be yourself and it was comfortable. And we always had friends over at our house. Like everyone was always welcome to just stop by and like, she'd pour them a glass of wine. So I think in those moments where I'm like, just like having a glass of wine with a friend, like that's when I like have moments and think about, her and feel close to her yeah how do you feel like you carry this with you like what is something that this significantly changed about the way you move forward in life when she was alive like I always wanted to be close to her and hang out with her like even when we would have friends over I'd want to like sit by her so I could, we could like chit chat on the side or like talk about people. (laughs) Um, and I don't think, I think if she was still here, I would still be pretty close to Brighton, Michigan. There was a time too in all of this. So my dad got remarried about a year and a half maybe after my mom passed away, but he got engaged six months after she passed away. And that was like devastating for my sister and I, not because we didn't like his new fiance. I didn't really know her. Um, and the first, I was so mean to her the first few years, like, because I wanted that spot to be empty in my life. There was a point where my dad, like in in him starting to date again and in him healing, he was like, Lauren, this is my life and I need to do what I need to do for me. And then he gave me the same freedom. Him saying like, 
you like I need to do what I need to do for me and you need to go and live your life. Like he gave me the freedom to make my own decisions, which I think if my family was still whole, the original Craddock family, I would have made a lot more decisions based on where my family is or what are they doing? Like my life would be completely different if she, if she hadn't died. I don't know if I would have really built a relationship with Jesus. Like, I don't know if I would have needed it. Like I'm sure other trials would have come along, but I wouldn't have really leaned on that. I wouldn't have gone into ministry for sure. (laughs) Like I wanted to be a famous graphic designer and like live in New York city eventually. So when I was leading students in Colorado, like I would always say with the God, like creating reason out of everything and um, he will still bring, bring good things out of bad things. Like he can shape things into like my mom's death is still very sad and painful and it will like, I will always miss her and I will always have pieces of grief in my life. But then I like, I got to move to Colorado because I had the freedom and I had like nothing better to do. (laughs) And I made the best friends ever. And I got to hang out every week with high school girls and share my story and share with them that like Jesus does love them. And that he wants to use the bad things in their life for good and to point it back to him. Um, But I think, yeah, I show up completely different (laughs) because my mom died. Hmm. I don't think I would share all of my feelings with people. I don't think I would be, I don't think I ever would have moved far away and started new. I don't think I would have married Jared. Like, we we have similarities in our stories that like were a big part of us falling in love. Is there something you do on the day she died every year to kind of honor her? Or are there are there pieces of her that you have made some of your traditions? Yeah, I when I lived in Colorado, it was probably the first four or five years. Um, I would drive up to Estes on my own and I would write a blog um, and write a letter to her and like update her on my life. And I would go sit at a coffee shop and then I would just like drive into the park and there was a little creek that I would go sit by and I would read pieces of uh, Traveling Mercies by Anne Lamott because that's like what I was reading when she, she passed away. And I just love there's a, a quote in that book that talks about how losing someone is like, like having a broken foot that doesn't really heal right. How like you'll continue to dance, but there's moments when it hurts. But I would go read Anne Lamont and then I would go home and have a glass of wine. And, but then as the years have gone on, um, I've kind of let myself off the hook of like, I don't feel like I have to be sad on that day or I don't have, like, I don't have to have any emotion around it if I don't that day. Um, because some days it's like random where I'm like, wow, I really miss my mom today. Um, at first it was like, I definitely missed her on that day. And now there's like, okay, this is just another day of my life. And, um, with moving and getting married, I've kind of, I, I don't really have a routine yet. Um, and we don't, like we're figuring out our own traditions and 
Um, so I don't even remember what I did this year on that day. Um, I, we were probably working on the house for remodeling. So <laughs> I was probably painting. <laughs> I think there's so much freedom in that though, to let yourself off the hook mm-hmm. for having to feel a certain way on a certain day when you're like, I don't get to choose when like moments of grief kind of crash into me. And I think that that's something I think probably a lot of people maybe needed to hear is that there's permission to not feel a certain way on a certain day every single year. Mm-hmm. And it's okay that it comes on a random day and you don't have to have a reason for that. Yeah. Right? I did a lot of counseling while I was in Colorado. I found this amazing counselor. Shout out to Tony. But, <laughs> um she would like call me out on my shit and, and she like helped me see like, you can, you're, you're not letting yourself off the mat with a lot of this stuff. And like, you can have freedom in the way that you miss her. And really she would be more honored in like you authentically missing her instead of like forcing yourself to be sad. Like my mom doesn't want me (laughs) to like walk around mopey all the time. Um, but Yeah. I think something that I've seen in you is, and something that I've always been really inspired by and challenged by, because I'm not sure it's something that I would choose, is, is this bravery you carry in being able to uproot yourself and your life. Like, I think you being in Colorado explains that. And then just recently, you did that again. And I think, will you just speak to like what it is about being able to do that, that you feel like you learned because of losing your mom? I think kind of as I blogged my way through my grief or wrote my way through my grief, something that I kept coming up was that I don't feel like I have like a home anymore. Like that home, we moved when I was four and then we lived in that house until my mom died. And like, when I thought of home, it was like my mom and dad and sister in that house. And then after she died, it was like my dad and sister in that house. And then my dad Um, sold the house, which was actually really healthy for our family. I think it would have been really hard to kind of start a new chapter in that house where we had so many memories, knowing what her footsteps sounded like in that house or the smell of her, like all of those things. But it kept coming up that like, I'll never be able to go back to that place. I'll never be able to go back to that house with those people in those moments. Like I can't experience that again when I have friends that go home for Christmas and they have the same traditions that they've had their whole life, like I get kind of jealous because I'm like, you get to, you get to go home. Like you have that feeling. And so I think that is something that I was really seeking out in God too, is like, I need this new home. I need to feel like I belong somewhere. And through counseling and working in ministry and being surrounded by all of these amazing people that are pointing me back to Jesus, I was kind of able to see like, no matter where I go in the world, 
Jesus is always going to be there with me. I kind of learned too that like people everywhere are kind of the same. Like we all want the same things. We all want friendship. We all want to be loved. Like we all like want to belong and feel like we're a part of something. Like I know that I can do it again. I also have this tattoo. My mom wrote me a letter when I was at Northern and it just said, be patient. You will make friends. It just takes time. Be strong and brave. And so I have Be Strong and Brave tattooed on my arm. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Juniper and Journey podcast. If you heard something that resonated with you or that you have questions about, we would love to hear from you. Follow us on Instagram at Juniper and Journey and slide into our DMs. It would be our treat and total privilege to chat with you. We all have a story. If you're interested in sharing yours here on the podcast, please reach out. Bye for now. Cheers. Cheers.